Hey everyone, I'm Madeline Dell, the chapter goddess. I'm a mom, author, blogger, freelancer, host, and overall creative. I really like to sit down and chat with authors and other creatives to hear what they add to the creative world in general. How do they bring their authentic selves to life in what they do? Our authenticity is important, especially in the world today. So sit back and relax and grab a cup of coffee. Hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already. And let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Chapter Goddess Book Chat. I have a fantastic new author for you guys to check out today. We're going to be talking about their books, life, and anything fun that comes up in general. But let me bring them in, and I will let them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their books. Hi, everyone. My name is Astrid, and I write under the pen name Astrid VJ because I have two non-English surnames, and that just got really confusing. So in the tradition of fantasy authors who love to have many initials, I thought I'd switch it around. So in this day and age where we like to know our authors and know their first names, I am Astrid, and that's all that really matters, right? Yeah. So I grew up in South Africa. My dad is Bavarian. My mom is an Italian South African. And when I was seven, Nelson Mandela became president. So I loved fantasy as a child. I was a massive fantasy reader right from the start. My parents got me into it straight off the bat. But that meant that by the time I was 12, I was kind of, you know, noticing that the fantasy genre was one way and the country I lived in with its multiculturalism and ethnic diversity was another way. And I wanted to bring those two things together. And that is how my writing journey started. I have written some retellings of lesser-known fairy tales to bring the diversity of fairy tales and fairy tale stories back into public consciousness because we are not limited to Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, and Rapunzel, for example. There are way more fairy tales than that. So that's one of the things I've written. But I also wanted to branch out from there and have written a futuristic fantasy series called the Wishmaster series, which starts with The Apprentice Storyteller, which is the book we're going to talk about today, and its sequel, Finding the Way. And this series is about a storyteller and her apprentice, as the, cover, as the title says. So I also wrote some tales the word mages tales, which are little stories, they're novellas that the apprentice learns in the main book and which are mentioned there, but there wasn't really scope to add them into the book. And so that's why I've created them as a spin-off series in the word mages tales. That is awesome. So I have to ask, when you originally planned out the idea for this series, did you know you were going to do like a spin-off with the small short stories in it like that? 
No, I originally planned to have them embedded because they were conceived of as short stories in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I had a very much a Thousand and One Arabian Nights idea of having the frame story and then the little stories in between to help with the world building and setting the scene and the stage. But as things turned out, that wasn't the best medium. Short stories was not the best medium for these particular stories. A, I was in my certification training to become a transformational life coach when I had an epiphany that each one of the ten story, ooh, each one of the eight stories I'd already conceived of and mapped out essentially fit one of the key principles that the course I was learning to teach actually trains people in implementing. And lo and behold, within a week after having my epiphany, I actually got two more story ideas <laughs> to make up the 10 principles that actually make, make up the, the course I teach. That's awesome. That is, I, that is really cool. So let's talk about the characters in your story. Go ahead and give us a little more detail about them. Right. Well, the story tenor is Viola Larian. In this book, she's 48. She's been on the run for her whole life, her whole adult life at least. And she's, you know, a grumpy, disillusioned, more mature person who doesn't believe that you can have what you want. You don't get your cake and you never get to eat it. Oh. <laughs> and she meets up with this 13-year-old boy, and I don't know if you can see him on the cover yeah. there, he's, he's the exact opposite. He oh. believes in fated meetings. He trusts that everything will work out. And he's generally happy-go-lucky. He's very much live and let live, whereas she's like, live, and if I have to kill something to live, then so be it. <laughs> and that, that leads to some pretty amusing interactions between the two of them. And over time, they develop a friendship. That is awesome. So do they kind of butt heads at first then? So they have all the time. Okay. Because they're very like their views are opposite. So do you put a lot of banter between them in the story? Yes. And also, you know, you. You have to remember, the boy is 13, so he gets super frustrated with her. And she is, you know, set in her ways, and she gets super frustrated with him. So, yeah, they, they have a, a lot of stuff they, they need to work through over the course of The Apprentice Storyteller. Then at, at the end of the book, they part ways. And Aww. we kind of have the continuation of Viola's story in Finding the Way for the first part of that book. It's just Viola kind of working through what she's learned and trying to implement it and muddle her way through and finding out that, hey, it actually does work. <laughs> and then in part two, the boy shows up again. Yay! So they get they, to come back together. They develop, awesome. Yes. And the, the point is that by then, she's developed enough and transformed herself in terms of her personal growth to a point where they can continue their conversation and actually she can grow some more. Cool. So what is their biggest challenge uh, working together in this book? In The, story, the Apprentice Storyteller, 
I think the biggest challenge for these two is realizing that they need each other and accepting that. And also coming to understand that you can't really face the world and everything it throws at you on your own, but it becomes much, much easier when you, when there's someone with you to help you help see you through it, even if they don't have all the answers and maybe give you lousy advice, but just having someone there to support you is crucial in our ability to move through and overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Nice. And when this idea started to develop, did one of the characters kind of like step out and be like, hey, pay attention to me to get the story going? How did you get started putting it all down? This was a really weird one for me. It it, it wrote itself in a way. <laughs> hey, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah. I I got stuck on the original idea because it just I had all the short stories and I kind of had the idea of the apprentice and the storyteller, but I did get stuck very quickly when I originally came up with the idea and I kind of shelved it. And it was then in that certification training that I had that epiphany about the short stories, not actually being short stories, but being longer tales. And they've actually become fairy tales in a way, which is is also cool because now I've written my own. So I'd write fairy tale retellings. And then I've now also written my own with more focus on the things I find, or I've noticed that we find important in stories now Mm -hmm. that were maybe not important to stories at the time when the fairy tales were written down. So there's that dynamic to them. And then I also realized that it wasn't just about the storyteller, about Viola teaching the boy Mm -hmm. stories. There's also this reverse lesson of the boy actually teaching Viola about life and it was when I got that understanding that it just it just all everything just whooshed into place and was perfect (laughs) and I actually wrote the book in 20 days which I've never done before (laughs) holy cow first off congratulations to getting it done so fast that's impressive and just wow and now it's here and that's so crazy it wasn't really that I any one of the characters took first place. It yeah. just it just worked perfectly with with alternating chapters from their there's a one from her point of view and one from his point of view each time, and just going with it and just going with the flow. Sweet, that sounds it sounds exciting. Um, I am curious about the fairy tale stuff because earlier you mentioned that you like to focus on fairy tales that aren't like almost like mainstream because you mentioned like the princess stories. I'm like, yes, yes. When you were saying that, because I'm like, I am the same way about fairy tale retellings, but I'm curious how deep into the fairy tale world, like what are some of the ones you kind of reconstructed? Well, let's, let's begin with where that all started because it's a fun story. So I read Ella Enchanted, which Mm -hmm. is a Cinderella story. And I absolutely adored it. I loved everything about it, except the fact that it was a Cinderella story. (laughs) Yeah. And that kind of got me thinking because by then, Disney was beginning the remakes as well of their um, live action movies. And 
uh, fairy tale retellings were beginning to get traction and it was always it's always the same ones yes yes and for me it was like well because my dad is german i kind of grew up with both the grim fairy tales that are in the German collections and the grim fairy tales in the English collections. And I kind of noticed that, you know, there are fairy tales that the English people just don't know, but they're such cool tales. So the first one I went for was my favorite one uh, at the time, Mm -hmm. which is Brother and Sister. It's a tale about... A brother and sister who run away from home because their evil stepmother, you know, is being the worst of the worst. And it turns out that she's a witch and she's actually sent her magic after them to kind of keep them trapped. And she actually transforms the brother into a stag. Oh, man. And so then the girl is stuck in the forest with her brother who's like wolf food. (laughs) She doesn't know what to do. She she kind of like gets stuck there for a time and then, you know, gets rescued by a dashing king on, you know, when he's out hunting. And to me, there was like, there's a lot to unpack there. But my first and foremost, my biggest question was, well, why did they even run away? How did all of this happen? What's the deal with the fair, with the stepmother? What's the deal with turning the boy into a, a deer and etc. etc. So I wrote the retelling in two parts. The first one is aspiring and that's sort of the backstory. It's the why do they run away? Yay. And it's very much a, a lot of readers say that it's essentially Ella Enchanted meets Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, bringing my love of Ella Enchanted together with my love of Jane Austen. <laughs> and it definitely shines through. And then the second book, Becoming, part two of the sibling's tale, is the actual retelling of the fairy tale. And I did an unusual thing because I wanted to have that El Enchanted feel in the beginning, especially because at the time the character Elizabeth is 14. Mm -hmm. So I have part one in first person point of view. But then I switch and part two is written in third person point of view. And I had to invent a reason for that. And this is where it gets fun because that reason is connected to the storyteller in The Apprentice Storyteller. It actually is revealed in Finding the Way, the second book of that series. So, yeah. (laughs) I like how you did that. That's that is really cool because it's kind of like it ties ties it all together so is it kind of set all in like a similar world then the two book series essentially my entire universe surrounding the apprentice storyteller series is um the future of the universe where the fairy tale takes place Love it. I love that idea. That is fun and very creative. And there's actually a prologue in each of the fairy tales mm-hmm. in, the, in these two books that uh, kind of links it back to the storyteller and her story. And now in Finding the Way, when I wrote it, I actually linked back and have Aspiring and Becoming mentioned <laughs> in that book. That's so cool. But do you think you'll write another fairy tale retelling in the future? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I 
then went on to write a retelling of Giselle, which is my favorite ballet. And it's a tragedy. But I kind of realized with the, with the life coaching that the tragedy is actually in the character's thoughts. They have negative thoughts, negative Ooh. thinking that holds them back in different ways. And I kind of really tease that out in Gisela's Passion, Ooh. which is this one about a village dancer whose dad doesn't want her to dance because he, he's got baggage yeah. and forbids her from dancing. And she goes against daddy's wishes and she has a friend who'd like to help her, but he's an idiot. <laughs> and she's keeping him firmly in the friend zone and he doesn't want to be there. And then she meets this gorgeous, wonderful man who really like totally does it for her. But it turns out he's a, he's been lying to her through his teeth oh. from the start. So. Oh, no. So she gets exactly, right. everything in that yeah. story. Oh. And so I really like with the three characters, I, I use all three main characters, uh, alternate perspectives for them. And yes, it, it stays true to the original tale, which is actually a Slavic folk tale, I found out in oh, my research. That's so cool. Uh, and is tragic. So, yeah. yeah. For those yeah. people who don't like it dark, maybe skip this one. <laughs> it's a nice thing about my retellings being standalone, so you don't have to read them all. True. And a lot of fairy tales don't exactly end in happy endings. No, so they don't. And which I, they like the. Like almost, I feel like the the whole American version. They just like yes. cut that out. And you're like, yeah, exactly. They cut the cut the bad yeah. bits. Or, or as in the case of my my third retelling, which is yeah. the retelling of the Nixie of the Mill Pond. Mm -hmm. It's a story. It's a, it's a grim fairy tale about this naiad who's living in the pond next to a mill, a water wheel mill, yeah. and she, you know, like makes strikes up a deal with the miller where she's going to get his kid and he'll get money. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he didn't kind of, he kind of doesn't quite catch that yeah. the newborn creature she's talking about is actually his son who's just been born at home. Oh my he god. He kind of thinks that oh maybe the cat had a, had her litter or you know the ewe has a lamb now or something. And so he gets a shock of his life when he walks into his home and hears the baby crying and goes like, oh, my God, what have I done? And there's, there's then the entire fairy tale actually focuses more on because the boy, the boy doesn't actually get taken by the naiad until he's a grown up. Yeah. And it's his wife who then goes about the process of rescuing him. So the main fairy tale is actually about her. But I really wanted to know what the heck was going on with that naiad. Why did she want a child? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I wrote Naya's Wish, which looks at the naiad's perspective, the mother's perspective, and then the wife's perspective. Ooh. And follows the three women through the story. It I kind of I call it women's fiction meets fantasy because it oh. definitely deals with women's issues, women's troubles, um, women's lives, uh, especially looking at what lives were like before the modern era. I've kind of put it in a medieval setting, uh, which which was fun to write yeah. because um, my other fairy tales were in a sort of more 18th century, 17th, 18th century setting. Nice. Yeah. That is crazy. And on top of all of that, I've actually currently I'm writing a retelling of the Tinderbox. 
sweet. And I like that you are focusing on like, like that we mentioned earlier that not like mainstream kind of fairy tales because they're people need to know what is out there and well i mean they're awesome this fairy this fairy tale is actually one of those ones that has a has a a a depressing ending that the grim brothers then and that then changed and they actually added four or five paragraphs at the end where you can you can tell there's like there's this cut in the style yeah of the writing and you're like yeah it actually ended there and they've added the happy ending (laughs) but i stuck with it i added it into (laughs) a section for the happy ending because they deserved it so i have to ask with everything you've written so far do you have one that is your favorite uh, that's like asking a mother to pick a favorite (laughs) child i know i know i know (laughs) You know, today this one is, and then tomorrow it'll be a different one. Yes, that is true. I will admit that aspiring for being my first public published work uh, is very close to my heart. It's won two awards. Uh, It's an international literary classics gold winner in fairy tales uh, from 2019 and silver in young adult fantasy. Um. I also find that, you know, the character, as you were mentioning earlier on, is is authentically, very deeply me. Uh, she Elizabeth is essentially in the first volume. She's everything I hate about myself. Oh. <laughs> and then by the time she finishes in the second book, she becomes everything I aspire to be. Oh. Uh, what I find really amusing, though, is I set up a quiz for, you know, find out which character in the book you are. And I consistently either get Elizabeth or the stepmother. So, <laughs> yes. You're like, I'm the creator of this quiz. I should get to pick who I want, right? Yeah. I mean, the brother is fun, too. He's like, you know, he, he he's got this really nasty big brother trait and then as he grows older and kind of gets better perspective on life he mellows and you know he's he's actually quite fun he's That's like a jokey kind of person yeah so you mentioned earlier that you are as you say a life coach right yes how did that influence your writing or did your writing influence that i suppose in a way they they are very closely tied together i i didn't believe in the possibility of publishing my books i didn't think it was worth pursuing and when i finished school i you know i wanted to get a reasonable job yeah so i actually went ahead and studied psychology which i hate i'll be honest I learned a lot and it actually really informs my character arcs but <laughs> and character behavior. Yeah. But as a as a profession it was definitely not me. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't want to kind of let go of the dream of writing. So I actually did a dual major where I also did English literature which I absolutely loved. Yeah. It wasn't as good at the English grammar that was kind of there was a sub subsection of English that I I did with English grammar but it was great that I did it and I'm really glad I did and then I kind of had to because I was taking two majors and 
essentially building my own undergraduate degree around those. I ended up having to take a like four or five electives in my first year. Ooh. And I randomly landed on anthropology. It was just, you know, something clicked there mm-hmm. in the social anthropology. I was like, I went to the, the introduction uh, during, you know, the first week. And I was just like, I'm taking this course. <laughs> and I actually stuck with it and uh, continued to do further studies in social anthropology. And that one has definitely influenced my writing as it helps me with the world building, but it also helps me with re- being more representative in my writing. So, yes, the fairy tales I'm using are European fairy tales for the retellings at least. But I'm always looking for alternative cultures to draw influences for the cultures that I then build in my stories. And then from there, you see, that was the thing. So I studied social anthropology and kind of gave up on the writing. And then I realized that I actually get depressed when I don't write. That is really a part of who I am. And then, you know, life moves on and, you know, got a job, have children. Yeah. And while I was on my maternity leave with my daughter, my mom suggested I should do this course. It was a um, sort of personal growth type mm-hmm. course. It's called the Ultimate Success Masterclass. It's like, you know, give yourself a goal and smash it kind of. Yeah. And, and learn a few things. And through that, I actually... Uh, the the program manager called mm-hmm. Natalie Ledwell. She she inter- she had an interview series where she interviewed loads of inspirational people, and one of the people she she interviewed was Mary Morrissey, who's a transformational life coach in the United States and who's been working with human transformation, you know, for forty or fifty years now. So <laughs> she's been at it for a very long time, and. I, I don't know how it happened, but there was like I, one day in my inbox, I got this like, do you want to attend Mary's uh, one hour session? And I did. And it came with the option of it with the, with the promotion, essentially, to actually do her coaching course. And I just, I just went with it. <laughs> it was kind of weird. So yeah, I was like, isn't it? Success Masterclass, I'd come to the realization I need to publish my books, the ones that I'd written. And then at the same time, it also got me onto the life coaching and the life coaching has become a key part of the, of my writing simply because I realized that I've already been writing the life coaching into my, my writing from the start. It it was there. I just, now I do it consciously and I've actually termed my writing transformation fiction because I write a ton of different subgenres of fantasy. But one thing that all of my books have in common is that they're looking at how we as human beings can transform our lives, overcome whatever stands in our way. We really have the capacity to overcome anything and achieve success in the face of adversity. If you look at Gisela's passion, which is the the tragedy, Mm -hmm. it's sort of the inverse. It's the when does it not work? Yeah. And all the others are looking at, well, how does it work? That is, okay, that is super impressive. The transformative fiction, I like that because that 
that literally needs to be a category for us to plug stuff in on Amazon for real. Because I know they make you pick like certain categories. Yes. I, I, I wish, I want I wish they had it because then I'd automatically be paired with Paolo Coelho and The Alchemist. <laughs> Probably, which that is a good, good read. Um, that was one of my, like, I have a bunch of like sort of nonfiction spiritual books. I'm like, I'm going to read this. And that was what I read last year. And I was really impressed with it. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, I read everything I could get of his. Yeah, I am probably eventually going to do that. I was, it's back here behind me on a shelf. Can't see it because of my graphic, but like, yeah, yeah, those transformational books, they, they really are life changing, whether it is like nonfiction or fiction. And I feel I've always been one to believe that reading it through a fictional story is slightly more impactful because you reach people that normally wouldn't get that information that way. Cause there's a lot of people that won't pick up nonfiction. Absolutely. And I also, that, that is part of how I see it is I don't want to write self-help books. That's yeah. not, that's not where my passion lies, but I definitely coach my characters through life. That's awesome. Cause like my characters, I tend to put a lot of stuff like regarding their self-care, which is mm-hmm. totally going to bring us up to a question in a minute, but like it, the readers get to see the process of them realizing mm. where they're lacking in that and how that's going to improve their life. Yeah. Um, which makes me wonder if you have a routine or a method that you follow for self-care or something that's your go-to. Well, there's the writing. Mm-hmm. I, I need to write to be in a good space. But I also do do other things. I mean, I, I read uplifting or motivational books i last year i had a book oh goodness i can't remember it and i don't actually have it with me because i've left it at the office so that i can because it's it's got these short little two to three paragraph little inspirational slightly meditative pieces mm-hmm. that you can just read and it's it's got 365 for the year oh, and yeah. i really yeah. like to just you know open it on a random page and just read it between tasks because I've got a an administrative job. So there's lots of little things I need to do during the course of a day. And it's good to just have this break in yeah. between sometimes to just ease my mind. Oh, yeah. Break. But something I got myself for this year is the Enchanted Forests Coloring and Self-Reflection Journal. Nice. Uh, and it's it's part of a charity collection. Mm-hmm. Where the Enchanted Forests book is a collection of ten fantasy stories, with uh, stories about forests, and that we're raising funds for Rainforest Foundation. Yeah, and so then the illustrator who did the illustrations for that book went ahead and created this this sort of spinoff in a way. Yeah, and it's just it's just got these really beautiful. Uh, well, here we. Here we go. So you can have have a page with with a quote, like find beauty in every. In I every love coloring things. pages like that. I because I have the adult coloring books. I love but, it. Love but it. Then it comes. Then it comes with the whoops there with the you know the self reflection sections yeah. with like what brings me happiness and it's got a lovely forest focus. Let me see if I can find. Here's one of the quotes from the one of the stories with with the phoenix. Oh, yay. And um, 
I think I'll, I'm going to have to share my favorite one. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, is where's the willow daughter? No, nope, not there. <laughs> uh, I was invited to join this group of authors three years ago now mm-hmm. when we, uh, Alice Avinia kind of came up with the idea a while back and she invited me to join in. And we kind of, we had so much fun writing Enchanted Waters, which supports ocean conservation, that we've just kept going. So Enchanted Forests is released last year. And this year, we're, we're going to release Enchanted Flames, which is supporting the World Land Trust's wildfire appeal, oh. which is the only international body that we could find that supports um communities in danger of wildfires and so here here is the willow daughter oh wow that is gorgeous and it's um essentially that story is a explanation for how the tinderbox comes about and how it is connected to the three dogs from the fairy tale by hans christian anderson which is my next publication oh that is so cool and, and very, yeah, I love all it. proceeds go to charity, which I really, I, it's another thing I love about the writing community is that you can do that. You can just yes. get together with a bunch of people, write a book and make it available to support a cause that you care about. I mean, Enchanted Forest in six months has ro- raised over $700. There's no way I would be able to donate $700 yeah. to Rainforest Foundation. <laughs> yeah, so it's like option. Yeah, it's hard to market the book. So when you put a cause with it, I feel like people are kind of like moved to purchase it more. They're like, yes, like, and I think I actually have that book on my Kindle. So (laughs) think about it because I am very, I'm a very outdoorsy person and I'm very eco, like conscious and stuff. I mean, there's still habits that I can improve, but I'm educating my son on it too. And that's part Mm -hmm. of like, I feel like the younger generation is very impactful with learning the things that they can try to fix that the generations ahead of us totally like messed up on earth. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, one of the things we've decided to do is, is dedicate each of the books to a young person who's made oh, a difference in good. that particular niche. Hey. So, the, so Enchanted Waters is dedicated to Boy and Slat. The, the guy who developed the uh, system to collect garbage out of the Pacific garbage patch. That's good. And I mean, he did that in his early 20s. Yeah. And then for the Enchanted Forests, we actually picked a 10-year-old. <laughs> He's oh. not 10 anymore, but he was 10 when he became super famous for for raising, I think, $20,000 towards saving frogs in, in the rainforests. Oh. So... Um, Justin, Justin Slater, I think. Yeah. Is his name. And, you know, it's, it, it feels right to be focusing on the younger generation because they're the ones who are going to fix the mess our grandparents got us into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And it's, and, I, and like, I know, like, we may get backlash from that comment, but guys, that's the truth. It is. It's, the it truth. is. It is what it so, is. And it, the, the biggest impact I can do personally is to make sure that my children have the knowledge mm-hmm. and the potential and yeah. the ability to achieve the potential 
of actually making that difference. Because for me, it's too late. I mean, I'm already in my mid thirties. Like I'm not going to make world changing, earth shattering discoveries and things anymore, but I can help the next generation achieve that potential. That is true. So true. So our final question for the day, if you could offer a piece of advice to an author on their journey, what would you share with them? And this could be anybody in the, like in wherever they're at on their journey. Like they don't have to be starting out. They could be like in the process of it, but struggling to keep going kind of thing. Well, I think the most important thing for any writer, irrespective of where they are on the journey, is to believe in the story. Yeah. Because this, only that writer can write that story. And if they don't do it, no one will. And it doesn't matter if there are tons of other stories like that story out there. This particular story cannot exist without this particular writer. I think that's really the, the key thing here is that through my studies in anthropology, I came to understand that what makes us, tr- what really distinguishes us humans from all other creatures, living beings, is stories. Mm-hmm. It's we tell stories. That's what we do. And we learn through telling stories. We share experiences so others can learn from our experiences. We are able to put ourselves into the shoes of others through stories. All of that is what makes us so uniquely human. Yeah. And if we don't tell stories, well, then what are we left with? <laughs> Because, you know, yes, they go on about art and music and absolutely other creative endeavors are also important to our humanness, but they are not unique to us. Other animals can also create art and music. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But they don't tell abstract stories. That is so true. That is true. I mean, yeah. So, Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and... Tell everybody where they can find you and your books. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. My books are all available on Amazon. However, many of them are moving wide. So The Sibling's Tale is already available on most platforms. Here we go. There we go. They're available on the ebooks on Scribd. The audiobook for Aspiring is also on Scribd for those who are interested. Um, they're in Barnes and Nobles, the works, they're everywhere that you can, if you can, if the book is able to stock from indie publishers and print on demand publishers, you can get the book from that place. Uh, the same with Naya's Wish and Gisela's Passion. The Apprentice Storyteller and Finding the Way are currently exclusive on Amazon and in Kindle Unlimited but not for very long. They, I'm taking them out in February. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, then you might want to grab grab the chance and read them now while you can. The Word Mages Tales are currently ebook exclusive wide, most of them. Some of them are coming in the next month or two or will be wide. They're all available on Amazon. Some of them will be wide. And... Those ones, I'm working on putting them together as three volumes of paperbacks. 
but that will take a little bit longer. So in a few months, I'll be releasing the first of those volumes. On social media, I'm best met on Instagram, which is the one platform I'm most active on. Over there, I'm astrid.v.j underscore author underscore official. And it would be lovely to hang out and chat and talk about books because that's what I love to do over there. I'm also, I do have a little YouTube channel, but it's not very big. I, you know, share my book trailers and little video clips of that related to my books. And then I also share my, my interviews that I've done. Nice. That was awesome. Well, again, thank you for being on the show today. And you guys take a minute to like and subscribe. Show us some love and have a great day. Hey guys, me again. Thank you for watching the show. I hope you enjoyed the book chat and everything we talked about. If you'd like to check out some of my work, you can find the link to my website below, or you can reach out to me through my website to be on the show yourself. Also, don't forget to check out the Beecher Creatives work. I super appreciate them taking time out of their day to be on the show. And also, don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe. We've got many new things coming in the future. So once again, thanks for watching. See you soon.